MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions do apply. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Big Game Bingo. $57 SGPN gift cards for every single bingo hit. And we're brought to you by the SGPN 57 Bets Challenge. $570 cash and a $570 gift card to the winner of the props contest. Get all the contest info exclusively on the SGPN app. And if you're going out to Arizona for the big game, make sure to check out our live show at the Ainsworth Thursday at 11 a.m. Register today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash big game. Hi-yo, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 291. Let's send it out to LeBron James for scoring all those baskets. Way to go, LeBron. Um, thanks for the, coming to the podcast. It's not a LeBron James appreciation podcast. No, it's the MMA Gambling Podcast, and I'm one of your host, Jeff Chalks Fox, and we are going to be breaking down a UFC pay-per-view. I want to say a big pay-per-view, but it's got a big fight on top of it. I don't know if the rest of the card would necessarily would be a big pay-per-view. If if you're a fan of uh, Australian fighters, it definitely is a big pay-per-view, but um, we'll, we'll get into it, into it. I'm sure my co-host has a positive spin. He's going to tell you how it's the best pay-per-view ever. Just like Dana, just like a good little Dana White would say. So, um, so that would be UFC 284. We're gonna give you all the prelim picks uh, this podcast. So that's what uh, eight fights, and then tomorrow we will give you our main card picks along with our locks, dogs, prop picks, and a parlay because everyone loves parlays. All right, let's bring in that co-host that I just was just speaking of. It's the one and only Daniel Gumby Reeland. Hello. So I, I will admit to you that this card is not as uh, as loaded as they've been making pay-per-views. Like, clearly, they're leaning a little bit on the, uh, this is going to Australia for the first time in a really long time, so we'll just load it up with Aussies kind of deal, or, or New Zealanders, Kiwis and Aussies. Um, but also, I, I will just throw out there, would you feel differently if the Robert Whitaker-Paulo Costa fight was actually the third fight from the top? Yeah, it, it would obviously be, be uh, better. We wouldn't, uh, perhaps we wouldn't have Parker Porter and Justin Toffa on the pay-per-view portion of the card. Well, and, well and in addition to that, too, you probably also wouldn't have Jimmy Crute versus Alonzo Minifield on the main card. That one probably would have gotten knocked out for uh, Kaikara France versus Alex Perez, yeah, uh, which yeah, was so originally. It would have been better, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think you add those two, and then the fact that uh, Jamie Malarkey and Zabira Tugov are both now fighting replacement fighters instead of Nasrat Hakparast and Joel Alvarez. Like, I think those those fights took quite a big hit to just being less competitive in that way. So, um, yeah, like, to, to your point, I do think there's probably uh, a little bit less intrigue in there, but there, there's still a lot of good fights here. I have to I have to be the hot take guy sometimes, Dan. <laughs> I'm it's not. My job. I'm not. I'm not the hot take guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you are. You, you used to be a lot more hateful uh, back in the day. Or maybe we just haven't had a run of fighters that you hate. We spoke of one, one of your favorites before we went uh, on air. So um, <laughs> he's coming up. He's coming up soon enough. Soon enough. But yeah, there's there's no um, 
lightning rod of a, of a fighter on this card that that makes uh, Dan Turner's nose up. So, um, yeah, I just when I was doing the research for him, I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't so great, but whatever. Like it matters to us. We're gonna watch it. We're gonna enjoy it. We're gonna uh, bet on it. We're gonna give you picks for every every fight on the card. So really, does it really matter who's fighting who? It, it makes no difference at this point. So, um, all right. Before we jump into the prelims, I'm gonna tell you about WinBet since I couldn't quickly come up with the transition. I'll just go right into it. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. That's us. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same game parlays, aka WinBet's Build Your Own Bet. Plus, the big game is here, and WinBet has you covered. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now. WinBet, ready to play. Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 to get $100. Limited to state availability. And, of course, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get $1,000 free credit. So much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Plus, did someone say the big game? Yes, I did. SGP live show in Phoenix for the big game. If you're going to be out in Arizona for the big game, Make sure to check out SGP's live show at the Ainsworth Thursday at 11 a.m. Register today at sportsgummypodcast.com slash big game. The show is free and you'll be able to watch them record the show and have some drinks with the guys at sportsgummypodcast.com slash big game. All right. So I haven't figured out what the big game is, but uh, maybe I'll figure it out at some point. All right. We are talking the big game for us on Saturday is UFC 284. Makashev. I remembered his name. The boss doesn't know his name, but I know his name. Makashev versus Volkanovsky. Do you think deep down he just wanted to say Habib Nurmagomedov? Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't see the video. Oh, what, yeah, it, uh, I just. It just always feels him. like to me he was he was trying not to say Habib. <laughs> <laughs> like by accident he was going to say Habib. You mean or? But like that's the only Russian name that would come to his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um. We're going to the Rack Arena in Perth, Australia, or the RIC Arena. I'm not sure how they say it. Have you ever been there, Dan? I have not, of course not. <laughs> no, okay. Have you ever been to Perth? I have not, no. No Perth anywhere in the world, okay. Perth, Australia. Um, First time since 2018, I think? 19? 18. It, it's been a long time since they've been in Australia, so. 19, October 2019. There it is, right in front of me, so. um, All right, we're going to do the early prelims first, ESPN Plus, 6 p.m., Eastern time, uh, a name Gumby already mentioned. Lightweights, Zubair, Tukugov versus Alves. Alves. It's Alves, actually. Alves Brenner. So it's a whole bunch of Alves in like a one of those trench coats, probably, right? So, so they look taller. They're all on top of each other. And one of them peeking out of the top. I, I don't think that's how you say it. I think it's Alves, right? Because it's, it's Portuguese. Alves, and, and, so I think his name is Alves. Or is it I, Alves? I, I think it's Alves, yeah. yeah, because in, in Portuguese and Spanish, in general, you say all of the syllables. There, there's no, like, silent ease. Well, I think my idea was better, but okay, fine. If it's just one person and Brazilian guy, fine, so be it. Um, Alves, Brenner, 13-3, one knockout, 11 submissions, never been finished in a fight. This is his short-notice UFC debut. That should be ringing some alarm bells in people's heads. He's won two straight fights and four of six. Last six wins, all via submission. He's not lost since October 2020. Regional champion, used to fight at Bantamweight, I think, because I have the featherweight weightless in doubt, but this one is at 
No, excuse me. This one is that lightweight. Uh, yeah, so he used to fight at featherweight. He's inch taller than Tukogov. We don't have any reach info for Brenner as of yet. Six years younger, plus one, 395. Uh, Tukogov, warrior, 25 and one, seven knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out once, submitted once. Five, two and one in the UFC. He's gone two and one over his last three fights, including winning his last fight. However, that was back way back in October 2021. Used to fight at featherweight, used to fight at welterweight, 2010 pro MMA debut. His strike differential, meaning the number of strikes he lands uh, minus the number of strikes he gets hit by, is 0.1 per minute. So he barely outstrikes his opponents, but he does barely a little bit. Uh, minus 5.45. Go ahead. Yeah, I obviously am not enthralled by betting somebody at negative 545, but like Tuhugoff is the right play here. And I'm going to tell you he's the right play here in kind of a way that I think not a lot of people are expecting. You know, Tuhugoff is a guy who's kind of made his name through his hands and and putting together a, a pretty good striking resume, really. You know, like you, you see the name and some people are like, oh, you know. It sounds Russian. He must be good at wrestling. But, you know, most of his career, he, he spent striking. You know, he knocked out Kevin Aguilar. Um, you know, he stood toe-to-toe with with Hanato Moicano, wound up losing a split in that fight. But, like, here's the other thing. He's leaned on his wrestling a lot lately. Um, he, he tried to squeak out a win against Hakeem Daudo um, with his, his grappling and throwing in a couple of takedowns. He actually probably beat Hikardo Hamoch by... Um, you know, mixing in a few takedowns here or there. And from what I've seen of, from Elvis Brainer, uh, is I, I think he just like, he's got some hands that, that are clearly the reason why they signed him for a short notice fight. But I've also seen him fight Gabriel Santos, who we actually broke down a little while ago on an LFA card. And in that fight, like, it seemed like Santos didn't even really need to try to take him down. He, he just kind of, like, took him down at will. So if Tuhugov doesn't get the hands going, I think he just winds up on top of Brenner for as long as he needs to to score the, the unanimous decision here. More more than likely, it was probably, do you, are you willing to fly to Australia on short notice? And he said, okay. So, um, but yeah, I, I'll take Tuhugov. Obviously, I'm not going to take a short notice. Debutant and Tuhugov is actually uh, pretty good, um, which helps. So he is the pick here. Um, featherweights, Shane Young versus Blake Builder. Builder, L Animal, Blake Builder. I thought it was Blake the Builder. Uh, that's his that's his social media handles is Blake the Builder, but he's he's L Animal. And if you yeah. uh if you listen to the Top Turtle MMA podcast this week, you can find out why. Oh, okay. There you go. Gumby and the nicknames. Um, all right. Builder seven oh and one. One knockout, four submissions. As I said, this is his UFC debut, or maybe I didn't say that, but I'm telling you now. Uh, he's won five straight fights, four straight via finish. That includes his appearance on the Contender Series, which he won. He was the CFFC champion, used to fight at lightweight. Uh, based off of that one fight, his striking stats are better than Young's. Uh, however, he was outstruck in that fight that he won on the Contender Series by 0.93 strikes per minute, plus 115 for the newcomer. Sugar. Shane Young, 13 to 6, six knockouts, four submissions. He's been knocked out once. Two and three in the UFC, 0 and 2 over his last two fights. He's not won since February of 2019, so it's four years by my math. Was a regional champion, 2012 MMA debut, uh, pro, pro MMA debut. He's got four inches of reach on Builder, three years younger. He's almost two times more active landing strikes, but we're, we're basing this off of one fight for Builder. Uh, he's out, Young has outstruck his opponents by 0.21 strikes per minute. His grappling stats are better than Builders based off of one fight. Minus 135. I'm going to go early in on a dog here. Give me Builder. Young has not been looking very good for a while. He hasn't 
exactly lost to the greatest competition. He hasn't beaten uh, anyone of note in the UFC either. Um, let me go with the streaking newcomer who's never lost a fight and is finishing everyone in sight. So give me Builder. Yeah, I'm going to go with Builder too. I, I'm kind of shocked Shane Young is a favorite here. I, I don't really know how he wound up a favorite and how this hasn't been bet in the other direction yet. Because like he hasn't looked good in a really long time. As you mentioned, his last win was Austin Arnett and Rolando Dye. Those are the only two yeah. people he's beaten in the <laughs> UFC. And those were four years ago. Um, One was four years ago. One was five years ago. And since then, you know, like, the, the fight with Ludovic Klein barely lasted, you know, at any time at all. And he just got knocked out. So then you got questions about his chin. Blake Builder has the power to to touch your chin. As we saw in that contender series fight, he gets the submission. But like he got the submission based on stunning the guy and jumping on his back. And then the fight after that, he had trouble with the takedowns of Omar Morales, which, again, Blake Builder is a good wrestler. So like, yeah, I, I don't really know what to think here is like. Why would Shane Young post as a favorite? Like, I, I really think this has got Blake Builder written all over it. Unless people are just betting, like, the travel's going to have too much wear and tear on him. But this is a guy who's, you know, I, I think ready for this challenge. Yeah, there's a few fights, which is actually good uh, for us. A few fights where I don't get the lines this this week. They kind of they kind of uh, confuse me, and I'm in on the dog. So I'm not sure if you're the same. I don't want to give away anything too much, but yeah. That's why I feel and this is one of them. Yeah, there there were a couple ones where I felt like the lines are wacky. And, and some of them I'm still on the favorite, but I'm like, I don't really like the way that line looks. Yeah, um, that like, as well. Yeah. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, like, yeah, th- th- there does seem to be some wacky lines down under this week. Then I checked. It looks like this one is actually trending in the opposite direction, too. It's like Young's it, depending, depending on the book that you look at. Uh, the odds I'm giving you are from uh, Winbat. Um but yeah, Young is a little bit bigger favorite some places than he was when he opened. So yeah, it's it's strange, but take advantage of it. If if we're right, we're we're gonna hit some uh, plus money here. So, all right. Before we move on, I want to tell you about some more amazing giveaways, um, all attached to the the big game coming up uh, at Sports Gambling Podcast. We got big game bingo. Make sure to sign up on the SGPN app and get your own big game bingo card full of all your favorite big game prop bets. If you get bingo, you win a $57 SGPN gift card. So you can get lots of uh, swag, especially MMA Gambling Podcast swag, obviously. Uh, only catch is you must be subscribed to the Sports Gambling Podcast and the NFL Gambling Podcast on YouTube to win. That's not a catch. That, that's uh, We're helping you out, telling you to subscribe to those things. Also, if that's not enough, we have the SGPN 57 Bets Challenge. In honor of the big game, SGPN is hosting a prop bet contest. Make your picks for 57 different prop bets. Winner will get a $507 cash. A will get a, that does not make sense, Jeff. We'll get $507 cash and a $507 gift card to the SGPN store. All our contests are free to play and exclusively on our SGPN app. So make sure you get that and get in the game to win. All right. This, I think this is the only female, yeah, only female fight on the card, unfortunately, coming up. Women's strawweights, Luma Look Abunami versus Elise Reed. And this would be, as I said, women's strawweight fight. Um, we'll tell you about Reed first, six and two with two knockouts. She's been knocked out herself twice, so both of her losses have come via knockout. Two and two in the UFC. She's gone loss, win, loss, win over those four fights. So she did win her last fight. Used fight up and down a weight class. So up at flyweight, down at Adam weight. Was the CFFC champion, just like, who do I mention earlier? Blake the Builder. Um, 
two inches taller than Look Boonmi, two inches of reach on her. She's been outstruck over her UFC career by 0.8 strikes per minute, plus 238. Luma Look Me. should I say all her different names? Why not? No, I, I, I mean, you, you could feel free to if you'd I like. I think I should. Sufasara Conlac. That's her real name, I think, right? That's her birth name, I believe. That, um, that, uh, that's what I understand it to be, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, for a while there, she, she fought on her Kanda Poor Moing Patch. Then she was Kanda Kokit, Kokit Jim. And then she was Loma Sitaju. And now she's Loma Lokbumi. So she's taking the yeah, highest well, I know thing. The- yeah, Sorry, I, I know the ones in the I know the ones in the middle are because uh, when you you do Muay Thai fights, you use your the last name is the name of your gym. Right. Yeah. So that yeah, that's I'm pretty sure that explains the three in the middle. What would your last name be then, Gumpy? Or do you not uh, want to give away that info? Yeah, yeah, I don't. People don't okay. need to know where I train. <laughs> people are gonna try to find you. I just thought it might be something funny. All right. Uh, <laughs> look, Boon me seven and three with one knockout. So if you want to pick her, you may want to pick her via decision. Uh, she's Won one fight via submission. Oh, sorry. She's been submitted one time. Four and two in the UFC. Uh, she's gone on a three and one run, including winning her last fight. Um, two and oh in Invicta. Used to fight down at Adamweight as well. She is a multiple time Muay Thai world champion. She also six and one as a pro boxer. She's four years younger than Reed. Striking stats in her favor. And she's one and a half times more active landing strikes. Grappling stats in her favor as well. She's outstruck her UFC opponents by a very nice 1.65 strikes per minute, minus 295 for, for Ms. Conlack. Yeah, so th- this is, I-, I do have to say, one of those fights that I really don't like the line. Like, it, I saw the fight get announced, and I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be on Loma Lugbume in that fight, but it, it's competitive. Because here, here's the thing about Elise Reed. She is kind of physical when she chooses to be, right? Like, she didn't look so good doing so against like Sam Hughes, but Sam Hughes is kind of like a short, stocky, muscly type fighter. But when she fought Melly Martinez, she was kind of a bully and she did a good job of being a bully. And do I think she could do that with regularity to Loma Lokbume? Not necessarily. The only one who really has been able to do that is Angela Hill to Loma. Loma's good in the clinch. She's got good knees. Sometimes she gets up fairly quickly from takedowns. So, like, I don't think Elise Reed can have any kind of regular success that way. But I do think, and, and I do think Loma works better from distance, too. Like, I, I think that's obviously a given. But also then I just see this number and I'm like, man, could you really be all over Loma Luke Bume at damn near three to one here? I, I oof. I, I'm going to pick Loma Luke Bume to win because, I, you know, I was on her right away. But, man, do I really, really dislike that number. Yeah, I'm picking her to win as well. Just too good a striker um, in this case. What is the number for her via decision? Because she doesn't really finish anyone. Yeah, I guess, that, or not? I, I guess that would be the way to like bet it into a place where want, like, yeah, yeah if, if you're looking for a way to like be in on Loma Luke Bume, let me get in on that. Loma Luke Bume wins by decision. Actually, yeah, that's not so bad. That's negative 130. All right, do um, that. Yeah, I mean, like if you're going to better, like, that's it because like there, there's no reason to be on a money line that looks like that so, so all the loma look boon me stands out there um take her via decision but you you should know that if you're a stand or anyhow you should know how she wins fights so all right um we're going to our main event of the early prelims uh jack jenkins versus don shanus featherweights shameless don shanus 12 and 4 eight knockouts two submissions she's he I, I, I misgendered him. He has been knocked out once and submitted once. 0-1 in the UFC. That was his submission loss. 
Um, that was two, someone really good. And it was in half a minute. It was Sadiq Yusuf. Yes. Super Sadiq. Yes. Um, so he's, that's his only loss over his last six fights. He's gone five and one. He went two and all in Bellator. He's got multiple regional championships on his mantle. Yes. Correct. Uh, used to fight at lightweight. He's 1.7 times more active landing strikes than Jenkins, even though the active striking thing, I stopped tracking that cause it, it, it didn't really, um, give us any results above 50%. So, but anyhow, I give you any, I give you anyhow. So based off of one fight, he is more active landing strikes than Jenkins. Uh, however, in that fight, which lasted half a minute, he technically was outstruck by 12 strikes per minute. Um, plus 280 is the number on Shanus. Jenkins, far is the nickname, P-H-A-R. Do we know anything about that, Mr. Nick? I, I don't. I don't know anything you, about Jack Jenkins. You, you should have him on. He has a good mustache, or he did. Hopefully he still does. <laughs> um, he is 10 and 2. Five knockouts, three submissions. He's submitted twice, so that is his Achilles heel. This is his UFC debut after winning via TKO on the Contender Series. That's part of a seven-fight winning streak. He's not lost since March of 2018. He also has multiple regional championships on his... Mantle. Correct. Used to fight at lightweight as well. He's an inch taller, inch reach on Shanus, so pretty much a wash there. Three years younger. Um, He outstruck his opponent on Contender Series by 2.42 strikes per minute. He's got grappling stats better than Shane. It's based off of one fight minus 365. So um, I will take Jenkins in this one. Um, yeah, he impressed us on the contender series. Looked very, very good there. Um, Shanus, well, he only fought for it, It's hard to really. Um, I think of a short notice fight, too, wasn't it against Sadiq Youssef? Yeah, he, he took it on 10 days notice, I believe. Yeah. And he he dropped 40 pounds in those 10 <laughs> to make that weight. Yeah. Um, so which he, he told me on this week's uh, Top Turtle MMA podcast. Oh, well, there you go. There's 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 another reason to to pick against him other other than him losing a short notice debut against a very good fighter. Um, uh, I'll take the streaking Jenkins. Um, he just looked very good in his last fight that I saw, and he is an Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. So hopefully home cooking helps him there too. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna take him as well. This is the the second fight where I'm like, man, do I not like this number? Like, yeah, I'm not a debuting guy now. Yeah, he, he's debuting, and he did look good on the Contender Series, but I also think the books are probably cooking in too much of how bad Shanus looked in his debut on 10 days' notice against the number 12 guy in the world. Like, that, you can't count too much into there. And he's got some decent wins if you look at his record, too. You know, like, he beat Chris Lencioni, um, who was, who like, a Bellator guy in, over in FAC um, on Dana White's looking for a fight. That's, that's kind of what got him noticed anyway. So... Yeah, I think Jenkins here, the the big piece for me and why I'm still picking him, despite the fact that I really hate these odds, I can't even be swayed, is that like he fights very smart and very technically. When you watch the way he won on Contender Series, it wasn't that he just like, you know, blitzed forward and landed a whole bunch of strikes and just like knocked the dude out in no time flat and everybody was all excited about him. He actually fought the first two rounds in a way that like made a lot of fans like roll their eyes and like figure he could do better and it wasn't until the third round where he was like why don't I turn this up and finish this guy and he did exactly that so like the fact that he has those two speeds and he knows how to fight smart I think bodes really well for fighting a guy like Shanus who can be like a little bit wild and can be a little bit super aggressive I mean like that's what he did against Yusuf He, he went in there and he tried to like do something crazy in the first 30 seconds it gets him caught but um yeah like i i think that this is going to be jenkins picking him apart from distance until he gets a little too risky and tagged a mustache free breakdown dan come on 
nothing about the mustache? I, I got nothing to say about the mustache. I, I'm not real great at breaking down facial hair. And if I'm gonna, I think I would lean towards breaking down Josh Emmett's new beard. Have you seen that bad no, boy? No, I have not seen him. Oh, interesting. Oh, he has got he has got himself a beard now. Yes. Like Roy Nelson-esque. Oh, really? I, I'm going to have to Google that. Um, Jenkins looks like the actor from, um, I, I know him from Narcos, but he's in that new show, the video game show, The Last of Us. He looks like him. Yeah, I don't watch TV really, but yeah. Oh, I read books. Is that the guy? Is that the guy who uh, I did watch The Mandalorian? Is he from The Mandalorian? Yes, yes, yes. Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. He's in a lot of big things. That guy. He's having a good career. That guy. Anyhow, yeah. He kind of looks like him. You think? A little bit. Sure, but he's he's smaller. (laughs) Yeah. And he's got the same mustache and stuff. Anyhow, fine. Dan doesn't watch TV. What do you do, Dan? Instead, other than having children. I mean, not not the act of of having. You know what I mean. Taking care of children after you've had them. I watch a lot of regional MMA. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He doesn't. Yeah, he says he doesn't watch TV, but that, that's because he's watching MMA on his uh, devices instead. That's true. All right, um, we're going to the main prelims now. 8 p.m. on ESPN, the big boy ESPN uh, channel. Lightweights: Jamie Malarkey versus Francisco Prado. Uh, have you caught the trend? We have a lot of Australians on this card, as I said. Um, Prado, I'll tell you about. He's not the Australian. He's 11-0, five knockouts, six submissions. This is his UFC debut. Was a regional champ. Um, he's uh, I don't. He's not officially taking this fight on short notice, but he he is a replacement guy, right? Yeah, Malarkey was originally supposed to fight uh, Nasra Hakparast, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Prado officially he's been given. He's had more than a month to prepare, so I, I only count a month or less for for my tracking purposes, but. Um, he is stepping into this one, his debut on a little less than a full camp. Uh, he used to fight at welterweight, used to fight at featherweight. Eight years younger than Malarkey, plus 220. Jamie Malarkey, 15 and 5, 10 knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out three times, three and three in the UFC. However, he's gone three and one over his last four, including winning his last fight. He's another gentleman who has multiple regional championships on his mantle. He also used to fight down at featherweight, 2013 professional MMA debut two inches taller than Prado three inches of reach minus 275 um I'll go with the home cooking as well I don't have any stats on whether people fighting in their home country do better or not I maybe I should track that but uh, I don't have anything here uh, I'm taking the guy who's I think a better fighter more experienced has a size advantage against the guy making his debut who's only basically has regional uh regional like small regional promotion uh stuff the, on his the resume. worst the worst regional promotion too do you know about the one he's been in <sighs> what, what's the name of it again it's samurai fight house right right yeah, no i don't know is, about it tell us yeah well i i know about samurai fight house but only because it came up during contender series season recently there was uh um was it sandra lovato uh who who fought in samurai fight house a bit or maybe it was aileen perez too uh when she was getting signed to the ufc and i was like what the hell is samurai fight house and it looks like it's taped in a warehouse, but it's all available on YouTube. It's really easy, actually, to get your eyes on uh, somebody who fought for Samurai Fighthouse. So um, I watched some of Francisco Prado's fights because I had actually not heard of Francisco Prado. Believe it or not, all that regional MMA I watch and uh, I don't regularly tune into live Samurai Fighthouse shows. Um, but in what I could see from him, this is just one of those dudes who comes to swing and is just going to do it until somebody drops. Um, he's just going to move forward. He's going to throw wide, wild hooks. 
until uh, somebody falls down. And if you look at the people that Jamie Malarkey has beat on this this run he's on, right? He's won three out of four with the only loss being to Jalen Turner, which you know I don't think we can fault him for losing to Jalen Turner. Two of the guys he beat have like, you know, I, I don't want to say a similar style and like throw caution to the wind, but like Kama Worthy and Devontae Smith both kind of do that same thing, right? Like both of those guys are like, you know, happy to trade a big power punch to eat one too. And what happened in both those fights? Jamie Malarkey finished both of those guys. He knocked both of those guys down early in the fight and finished them. So like, I think he's uh, smart enough to stay out of range. I think if he needs a takedown, he certainly could get one. I mean, he took down Jaywin Turner. He could take down Francisco Prado. Um, and I think he could knock him out pretty much at will. So yeah, g- give me, uh, give me Jamie Malarkey all day on this one. I, I actually think, you know, after telling you, I really didn't like those big fat lines in those last two fights. I actually think this one might be a discount. Like, I, I think you're getting Jamie Malarkey at an exceptional price. Yeah, but when we hit a regional guy that Gumby has not seen before, then it's usually that, that's another red light flashing <laughs> over, flashing in your brain. <laughs> yes, definitely don't take this guy, especially if he's stepping in on on uh, less than ideal notice against a guy in his home country, a guy, a guy who's actually good and uh, has uh, has more experience and stuff. So, yeah, Malarkey is the pick. Watch him lose. Make us look like fools i've rhymed a few times uh this episode if anyone's noticed um obviously let me know let me know my rhymes that i've hit all right um what are we gonna hit now i don't even know if i did rhyme there i just felt like i did flyweights shannon <laughs> ross versus cleats and hud um before we hop into it, why is ross he lost in contender series why is he in the ufc is he stepping in also on Notice that I don't know of short notice or what? No, no. So the UFC signed him off of the contender series because first of all, he went, he was in an absolute war in his fight on contender series. Like it was very, very, very entertaining. Um, and everybody was like, oh man, Shannon Ross really didn't look like himself in that fight against Venezia Salvador. And it turns out his appendix was just damn near about to explode. Uh, and he wound up in the hospital the next day to have his appendix out. Um, so like he, he probably could have died. Dana White found out about it and was like, Hey, and you're in the UFC too. Um, and felt bad for him because, uh, that, that's a crazy thing to fight through. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Gumby's always got the goods for us. So I'm going to tell you about this Ross fellow, the Turkish delight. He's the gentleman who's doesn't, he's not from Turkey or is he? There's someone with he, the nickname. I think he's Turkish in, in, in heritage but also, okay. isn't that isn't that candy? Is Turkish like candy? Oh, yes, we, we did speak about this before. Yes, it is. I think it must be a British thing because we have it here in Canada. And I don't think you have it in the States, oh, yeah. right? We we do not. We we only know about it because of the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> oh, well, only if you're a nerd, you would know about that. But yes, okay. Move on. I, I've heard of that. I assume it's a nerdy thing. Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, I, I read it as a kid. Fantasy it's, novels. Oh, okay. Well, children. if you did it as a kid, yeah. I guess it's okay. Fine. <laughs> Fine. You were a nerd when you were a kid, but now you're cool. Is that is that okay? I mean, I watched MMA from, from like... <laughs> from <laughs> Samurai Republic. Fight Houses. Yeah, from Samurai. I'm watching Samurai Fight House. If that's cool, man. Yeah. I'm, the so cool, cool. I'm as cool as they come. <laughs> I don't know. There's, we seem to be getting a lot more weirdos like you in our in our Discord that, that are into, into the non-UFC stuff. So, hey. Maybe you've started a trend. Um, get in the Discord, everybody. com slash Discord. Everyone gets along. Everyone's, I'm not being sarcastic either. Everyone gets along. Everyone's fun to be with. And like I said, there's a bunch of sickos that are watching like Bellator undercards. Bellator <laughs> post limbs. So anyhow. All right. Back to Mr. Ross here. The Turkish Delight. 13 is six. Six knockouts, one submission. 
but knocked out twice, submitted once. This is his UFC debut. As I mentioned, he did lose on the contender series via knockout, and Dan says also via bursting appendix. Um, he's gone loss, win, loss over his last three fights. He is another one. Got me saying this so much this episode. Multiple regions, championships on his mantle. This is a, we should have had a mantle guarantee going into this one. Um, 2010 MMA debut. Uh, he's more active landing strikes, but we're basing this off of the contender series. He was outstruck in that fight by 1.28 strikes per minute, uh, plus 265. Do you know Cleetson Hodhigas' nickname? It's really clever. Uh, no, I don't. It's his initials, K and R. Oh, Can you have nice. him on your show and ask him why? I, I will not do that. I'm sure, that <laughs> I'm sure there's a great backstory. Um, all right. All right, DV, we'll move on. Uh, he gets a 7-2. Three knockouts, two submissions. Never been finished in a fight. 0-1 in the UFC. That was his only loss over his last seven fights against 6-1. Went 1-0 in the Contender Series. Was a regional champ. Got into reach on Ross. Six years younger. He outstruck his Contender Series and uh, UFC uh, opponents by... 2.66 strikes per minute. Grappling stats in his favor over Ross based off of one fight. Minus 340. This is you. I'm going with Shannon Ross here. I, oh. I think yeah, I think he's being wildly misrepresented by his fight on Contender Series with a bursted appendix. Um, you know, like that, that that is a crazy time to fight. And if you go back and you look at his, his regional record, he is fought some really exceptional talent. I mean, he fought Donovan Freelo, um, who, who is a guy, he, he fought him in UAE Warriors, which is already a, a pretty good promotion, but he fought also on Contender Series and he fought for World Series of Fighting. And he actually, he he's the one who lost to Ricky Simon to get Ricky Simon in the, uh, the UFC. So like Donovan Freelo is a legit dude. Before that, he fought Steve Ursig. Um, who is supposed to fight Clayton Carpenter on the most recent contender series. He fought uh, Paul Logga before that, who's a, a regional guy in Australia who's pretty good. Um, he, he's fought a ton of dudes. And the thing I see out of him every single time I see him fight is that, like, he has got, like, first of all, very smart striking that keeps him out of range. Granted, I, I'd like to see his hands a little higher, but, but pretty uh, smart striking that keeps him out of range. And then when he does get into range... Low-key explosive takedowns. Uh, that that fight with Loga in, in internal MMA, that one sticks out to me. Is he just scored takedown after takedown after takedown in that fight? He's got solid top game, and I see that as a major flaw to Clinton Rodriguez's game. Because if you look at Clinton Rodriguez in his two fights, and granted we we do have a small sample there, I mean he gave up two takedowns to Santo Curatolo, who granted has a little bit of a wrestling background. But he, he got taken down a couple of times by Curatolo, who is short, stocky, didn't have particularly good takedowns. But he, he did have some control time there. And then you look at the fight with CJ Vergara. And Vergara didn't land any takedowns. But he did counter Hodhigas pretty easily on one of his takedown attempts. And then he spent a whole round on top of him. Uh, which to me just says Hodhigas doesn't have sort of the game plan he needs to to get back up. And if that's the case against somebody like Shannon Ross, I think we're going to see tons of Shannon Ross top control time. Well, I don't feel so great about my pick uh, at minus 340 now, do <laughs> I? <laughs> I some hot he gets, but nonetheless, I, I have already written the story. I've already posted the story. <laughs> yeah. It is on sportsgamingpodcast.com, so I'm going to have to stick with 
my pick of Cleeton Hodhiguez at minus 340. But Gumby just told you all the reasons why that was a horrible pick, but well, we shall see. Gumby, Gumby <laughs> knows more than, than the books and myself combined. So, all right, let's go to featherweights. Joshua Kulabau versus Melsic Bagdazarian. This one is maybe the hardest one on the card to pick because it is the pick em fight on the card. Both these guys are at pick em odds. Um, Bagdazarian, the gun is the nickname. He's seven and one with five knockouts. He's submitted one time since his only loss was via submission. Two and all in the UFC. He's not fought though since November of 2021. He went one and all in the contender series. He has missed weight in the past. He used to fight at lightweight. Nine and two in kickboxing and a champion in that realm. 3-0 as a pro boxer. He's twice more active landing strikes than Kulabau. He's outstruck his UFC opponents by two and a half strikes per minute. Very good number, 2.52 to be exact. Minus 110. Kulabau, Kuya, which means K-U-Y-A. Do you know this one? No idea. Brother. He's he's your brother and my brother, apparently. He is. We already have enough brothers. Do we not? To each, that's enough. Yeah, that's, that's plenty. Sorry, Mr. <laughs> Kulabau. Well, we have plenty. Um, he is 10-1-1 with five knockouts. He's been knocked out one time. 2-1-1 in the UFC. He's won two straight fights, however. He's not lost since February of 2020, way back in those halcyon days of the pandemic. We weren't even locked down yet. I was going to say of the pandemic, but no, it was pre-pandemic for us. Um, used to fight at a lightweight. He's got multiple regional championships on his... Mantle. Inch of height, three inches of reach over Bagdazari. And two years younger, he's one of these guys with the wacky strike differential of 0. 0.0 to steal a line from Animal House. Um Grappling stats in his favor, minus 110. What did we do with this one? This was, like I said, it was a hard one um, because it's a pick em, Um, And it was it was close on paper. Anyhow, I'm leaning Kulabau, so he will be my official pick. I like his resume a bit better, even though Bagdazarian's resume is not horrible. But I like Kulabau's a bit better. Um, I think it's going to be a striking battle. And he's got three inches reach, which will help there. If he, if they do grapple, Kulabau's got better grappling stats at the very least. But... I, it doesn't really seem like other guys going to want to grapple. And Bagdazarian has been out of action, as I said, since November of 2021, which is quite a long time. And fighters who have been on the shelf for at least a year only win 45% of the time. And this is more than a year. So anyhow, uh, give me Kulabau, but this is another one that um, can't, uh, it, it could be swayed on uh, because it is a very close fight on paper. Uh, yeah, I'm going with Kulabau too. I, I you know, like, I, I'm not the type who just like looks at the resume and is like, oh, you know, he's fought way better guys. But like he he stood toe to toe with Charles Jordan and handled them. He stood toe to toe with Sung Woo Choi. Those are two guys who are pretty dangerous in terms of the way they throw throw strikes. And Kolobau out had three knockdowns in those two fights, and his opponents had zero. Um, and then you look at Melsic Bakdazarian, and he's like, you know, he he kind of just like stood and traded with Bruno Souza, and like that, I I think he's also the type to who just gets kind of comfortable in fights to the point where like he thinks he's winning and doesn't do a lot. Whereas like Kulabau really gets after it. Like Kulabau is out to win rounds and out to do damage. And like Bogdazarian, if he feels like he landed like three hard leg kicks early in a round, it is like, Oh, that's good enough. He just won't do much for the rest of the round. So I think in that way, like I think Kulabau is more likely to be the one who's like impressing judges if this does go the distance and, and I'll be honest with you I kind of think it's gonna go the distance despite the fact they're both kickboxers you know five of their last six fights combined have gone to decision and so I'll, I'll take the guy who I think turns up the pressure a little bit better and, and maybe is a little bit better at, at persuading judges 
I actually um, think he's going to go the distance too. I read that somewhere. I can't remember where though. Ah, some very smart, uh, smart writer on the sportsgamblingpodcast.com wrote a uh, UFC 284 props article, which you might want to check out. Uh, there, there's plenty of good stuff in there. There you go, everybody. Sports gambling, because uh, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Look for Gumby's prop article. Look for my article where I list all of my picks for this event, and look for my on Thursday. Look for my um, DFS slash DraftKings. Um, article for this as well yeah because you said something earlier too i was like i i, I had a list of top turtle where do i remember that from and then i'm like oh yeah i edited his article <laughs> that's where i remember gumby saying that <laughs> from. So, gumby's just reading off a script here it's uh, everything he's written all right so we're agreeing on cool about but it's a it's a close one at least on paper um all right main event of the prelims light heavyweights tyson pedro versus modestius bukoskis bukoskis makes his return Maybe triumphant return, we shall see. The Baltic Gladiator is Bukoskis. Oh, he's a gentleman with the English accent, though, which always throws me off when you interview him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've he's... interviewed him a couple of times. <laughs> he's Lithuanian in by birth, I believe. But uh, yeah, he's he's lived most of his life in England, so he's got like a bit of a British accent. Yes, it, it always throws me. But um, All right, 13-5 for Bukoskis. Nine knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out three times, submitted once. This is his short notice return to the UFC. He went one and three over his last run before he, he got flushed out of the promotion. He's won two straight fights, though. Last one via knockout, which won him the Cage Warriors Championship for the second time. He keeps abandoning the, these Cage Warriors guys after he gets to be their champ. He also is a regional champ. On top of that, was a regional champ. Used to fight down at middleweight. Three years younger than Pedro. More active landing strikes. He was outstruck in his UFC uh career less far by 0.95 strikes per minute he's at plus 195 tyson pedro nine and three four knockouts five submissions so he's finished everyone one not he's been knocked out once submitted once five and three in the ufc he's won two straight fights both via knockout slash tko he's not lost since december 2018 that's definitely pre-pandemic uh 2013 pro mma debut inch reach on bukoskis he's outstruck his ufc opponents by 0.6 strikes per minute Grappling stats are better than Bukowski's as well. He's at minus two forty-five. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this card by picking Tyson Pedro. I, I like Modestus Bukowski's. I'm glad to see he made it back to the UFC, especially after that horrific knee injury. It's good to see that you know he, he made it. But a short notice fight halfway across the world against the hometown guy. And in addition to that, I'm just gonna say this about Modestus Bukowski's two wins outside of the UFC. Those two wins, he was pretty passive in those fights. Like the Lee Chadwick fight, he he just didn't get after Lee Chadwick. In in the Chuck Campbell fight, you know, Chuck Campbell's a 39-year-old fighter who had six pro fights going into that that fight. And for the first three rounds, I I mean, it was clear Bukowskis was winning, but like he just was like happy to like touch him a little bit and then get out of there. Uh, and it wasn't until the fourth round where he was like, OK, I got to go finish this guy if I want to make it back to the UFC. And he did. And the thing is, is I think Tyson Pedro has that, like, let's kill him right now mentality all the time. And if Bukowskis doesn't go in with that attitude against Pedro in the very first round, I, I think Pedro is going to overwhelm him. Uh, so, yeah, I-, I like Tyson Pedro in this spot. Yeah, um, all-, all the same reasons as you're saying. Short notice across uh in in home uh enemy territory as well tyson pedro's enemy territory and pedro's look very good recently um so give against me... terrible competition Let, let's yeah, caveat that. very bad 
Harry or what was it Harry Hunsucker? Is he oh, still in the MCU? <laughs> I think he might be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're giving him kind of a another lap, not really a lap, but but UFC seemed to be handpicking nice fights for uh, fights for Patriots. Well, the, it was um, originally supposed to be easier. It was supposed to be Vin Yang Zhang who was coming right, off of yeah, the UFC. Yeah, we talked about And like you know, I, I wasn't really sold on Min Yang Zhang. He was supposed to. Even Min Yang Zhang was like supposed to go in and lose on Road to the UFC. He was fighting that George Tokos who everybody was high on, and he kind of like landed a counter punch that worked for him. Um, so yeah, they, they they have been trying to set Tyson Pedro up to get him back on the right foot. And despite the fact that I think Bukowski is a little step up from Zhang, I I still think it's it's Pedro head and shoulders above him. Yep, Pedro is our pick. So I will give you the recap. We are both picking Pedro. We are both picking Kulabau. Dan is going with the big dog, Shannon Ross. I'm taking Clayton Hodhigas. We're both taking Malarkey. Both taking Jenkins. Both taking Look Aboon Me. Uh, both taking Builder. And we're both taking Tugagov. Right? There's only one word. No. Am I missing yeah, one? Yeah, just, just, just one, one? difference okay, right. on the prelims. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. All right. There's all your prelim picks. Rammed in your ear holes. Um, Wow, it was a long episode. A lot of uh, we went off off on a lot of tangents. Let's get out of your ear holes now. We've been in there far too much. It's getting stuffy in there. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Main card, uh, lock dogs, props, parlays, all, all that fun stuff. Um, we can be found at the in the Discord, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord, on Twitter, SGPN MMA at at sign before that. Gumby runs that account. He's also Gumby Vreeland. I'm at Jeff Fox Writer. SportsGamblingPodcast.com is the place to be for all our writings and other podcasts and giveaways and discounts at uh, sportsbooks, all that, all that fun stuff, as well as our app, of course. Um, he told you about Top Turtle. Make sure you listen to that and get in my pick'em contest and uh, subscribe uh, to my Substack, MoneyMMA.Substack.com. We shall be back. As I said, we shall be back tomorrow. Until then, I'll remain the Turkish delight, Jeff Fox. He will remain DV. Daniel Vreeland. We'll talk to you tomorrow.